Okay, so you've prepared stuff, right? Well, sort of, but not wholly, because I just... I, did you have anything you wanted to specifically talk about? Well, since it's the first one, do you not think we should do some sort of, like, a little bit of an introduction or kind of thing? Would, how it would sound would just be, like, the beginning of the actual recorded episode would just... It might be a small excerpt from what happens in it, and then there's, like, some crappy theme music, which I'll get off Creative Commons. Okay. And, um, and then it will go halfway through, like, the start of the more interesting stuff we start talking about, so this wouldn't be in it. No, of course not. It's almost like I'm jealous at the moment Hmm. of you performing in front of fans. (laughs) (laughs) My yoga fans. Yeah, yeah, I don't get that at the moment, because obviously I'm banned from live performance because of the pandemic not because i'm being cancelled <laughs> not because you're dangerous <laughs> i'm not, I'm not going to become a yoga teacher i don't think yeah they wouldn't let me yet would they how long have you been practicing for well 15 months yeah yeah they're not going to let me do it because i can't do everything can, can you I? don't have to do everything <laughs> is that true you don't have to do everything to do of course yeah so not every body type can do every yoga pose. Right. So, like, here's a, a kicker for you. I, I can't do handstands. I can't do uh, forearm stands. I can do them a little bit against a wall to some extent, but that's not... My body just doesn't like it. Okay. I'm not strong enough. <laughs> are you sure you want me to put this out? Do you think the, com- are the community going to shun you now? No. So it should not be expected that a yoga teacher should be able to do certain poses. That's not really the point of yoga. Yeah, I think a lot of maybe from the outside, especially maybe like a masculine mindset is sort of like as if you're going to yoga, as if you're going to the scouts, you know, like I've got my pigeon badge and I've, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, collect that's all the poses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like how the Guinness Book of Records adjudicate whether you've done a pose well enough, maybe, and then you get like a little badge and, and that's, and that's not really what it is, is it? But when you do do something for the first time satisfactorily, then you do, you know, you feel quite pleased about it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not about getting yourself into shapes that you you know it's not the goal so i think you you kind of hit the the nail on the head there because i always thought that yoga is about teaching us how to find that balance between anything in life work and play you know all that but on the on the flip side like you just said trying to find that balance between you know putting a, a bit of effort into your practice so that maybe you see progression so that maybe one day you can do some a pose that you find difficult right now and on the other side, making sure that you're not just doing it just for that satisfaction, just for the idea that one day I'll be able to be upside down and put a po- post a picture on Instagram. <laughs> I, I do think that some people come to yoga with that intention. And then when they stay, it's because they find something else. I don't know what I've sort of noticed. This sounds really wanky, but it was like parts of my body were waking up. that hadn't woken up for, for a long time. So that makes... Yeah. So does that sound? That doesn't sound like a. I haven't been like not moving for thirty years, <laughs> and then like <laughs> the thing is, I'm so because I'm really small. I never put any weight on. It's just there's no incentive yeah. for me to get exercise from a. And I've been in the same relationship for like fifteen years, so what's, I don't need to impress yeah. anybody physically. So I just let myself go to pot. <laughs> <It doesn't, laughs> I will say this on your topic of waking up. 
we get into like movement habits with the body and that's very physical. So you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, you, you go wherever to the kitchen, make a cup of tea. Everything that we do is in front of us because that's where our eyes are, obviously. <laughs> so that makes perfect sense. But what tends to happen is we never do things in the other direction. Everything always tries to come back to this idea of maybe when we were hunter-gatherers as a species. So if you were running around in the woods, if you were running away from danger, if you were doing things, climbing trees, trying to make a, a some sort of shelter for yourself, you know, stuff like that, you'd be moving in so many different ways than we move now. So when we do finally start to practice something like yoga, which is really open to the idea of lots of different positions, lots of movement, really odd things you might say to do with your body, there's this countering of, of our lifestyle. Because we get into this habit, and then that, those habits that we get into every day, even everything as simple as like walking upstairs, you know, some people favor their toes, some people walk on their heels, some people, all of that will build muscles in different places, and then you continue to use those muscle groups because they're the strongest. So then when you try to do something different, you get into a muscle group that you know is there, and sure, it would wake up if you had to do something with it, but for the most part, it just sits kind of a little bit dormant <laughs> until you tell it to move. I'm just always reminded of the first time I was doing because like I don't know, the first couple of months I was just doing yoga from YouTube. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I did like a, a high lunge and I just couldn't believe how wobbly like my legs were and so I was shaking from muscle like from muscle engagement. Yeah, the shaking? muscles yeah, were yeah. just the, not, yeah, not yeah. from and, uh, balance, but from, no, not yeah, from yeah, balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, not brilliant at balancing, but I'm like, I can't lie to you about how good I am at certain <laughs> things. You know, so. I know all your secrets. <laughs> I'm doing better though, aren't I? I think. You oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm not, I'm not doing badly. No, not at all. Yeah, I just remember my leg inside of my thighs were just like it must have been muscles that I hadn't used for you know when I would have last used them. And Adrian on YouTube sort of like, oh, you might feel a bit of energy there, and I was thinking, well. That sounds like a mystical way of saying you haven't used this part of That's your body a mystical for way of a very saying, long It probably time, burns. <laughs> I, I quite like the terminology that people use in, in yoga, but, but I really think there's a fine line before someone loses me. You know, the end of the thing yesterday, you were talking about dreams and letting them go and stuff, and like a bit of yeah. wisdom at the end of a... I think that's all well and good, but if you'd have just said it slightly differently, it, you know... It, turn you off a little bit can't you yeah i i you you start thinking oh god this is a cult now yes (laughs) i think to be honest i think the language that comes out of yoga uh on a regular basis like when you read yoga articles when you watch you know random videos on youtube i think the language that comes out of that really puts a lot of people off because they can't connect with it but but you're right there is a, there is a way to describe it to work with those ideas in a way that people understand i'll expand on that if you want me to because one of the things that i really like to talk about that i'm not sure how much i actually talk about in my classes now that i think about it but anyway one of the things that i really like to talk about is prana which is our breath so in yoga we call prana your life force your energy, the thing that makes you you, but also the thing that keeps you alive. So if you delve into the the definitions of prana, you'll find some really abstract thoughts behind that, even touching on consciousness and maybe going down the Buddhist route of rebirth and relife. Whereas for me, I really want to emphasize that your prana, your life energy, is just your breath. 
it's just your breath. You can't live without breathing. So sometimes we get kind of lost in these terminologies that are really old. You know, yoga is like 5,000 years old. And we get lost in these terminologies rather than just trying to connect with what it's trying to tell us. So your breath is the one thing that connects both your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. So you can control the breath, but also you don't control the breath. If you don't think about it, you don't stop breathing or we wouldn't be able to sleep. <laughs> so it's this one bridge between connecting your your fight and flight and your rest and digest. So you can calm yourself down with your breath. And that is the whole idea of prana and breath is that that's that life force, that energy, because that controls how you feel physically and to some extent mentally, you know, calming yourself down and stuff as well. I had, I was getting the acronym wrong. CBT, Cognitive, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, therapy. At that one point. Yeah. and they're championing breathing exercises. If you have a longer exhale, you get more carbon dioxide out and, you know, calm you yeah. down and stuff. And I mean, they recommended meditation then, but I never, I was sort of half put off. It's like that Buddhist, I told you about the Buddhist centre, didn't I, when I went there? Mm-hmm. Tell me the story again. Yeah, well, I just went to the, the first time I meditated outdoor in that, because there's another thing is about doing it in front of people. There's like something to get over there. I'm quite introverted. Because, you know, if you ever go to like a really posh part of London or something, you go in the park and there's people doing yoga in the park or in meditation poses and they're they're probably doing the om and everything as well. And it's a little bit... Do you feel like maybe it's like a club or a clique? Yeah, again, that that you kind of of feel like you don't, you can't join it because you don't know how. (laughs) It's like, have I got to join it and then I've got to do that? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> is that part of the... I do have an option to not go on at the end. I mean, I still don't like saying namaste at the end of a yoga class. Would you prefer if we said, um, my soul recognises your soul? Or... No, it's worse. <laughs> yeah, I know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's worse. That is definitely why I don't say it. Or the light in me recognises the light in you. Well, let's just say it's all implied. I think it reminds me of going to church and having to say amen at the end. The connection between yoga and religion, like people make that connection whether they want to or not. And that can either put them off because for opposite reasons. So someone could be put off of yoga because they're really religious and they know that yoga might be Buddhist or something. There's really like those kind of connections that people make, even though yoga in and of itself is a practice that is philosophical, not religious. There's no, there's no worship in yoga. And then the other way around, if you know, if people were made to go to church as a kid and they really didn't like it and they disconnect from God and church and all of that kind of thing, when they come to yoga, they might hear phrases that sound very similar and then that might put them off. No, that's exactly what's happening. And that's why I was saying earlier on, I want it to be like, if I'm going to get into like mindfulness practice and meditation, you know, I want it to be secular. I don't want it to be... Yeah. I don't mean that in a horrible way. So, yeah. I mean, that probably really ritual and sort of having a sort of a sense of spirituality is very, very important to a lot of people. if they get that side of it I'm not belittling it yeah you know if I could go back in time 10 years I'd have told myself to start doing this 10 years ago but I think I would have had hang-ups about it because I would have thought oh we've got to put our hands together and say a weird word at the end and like yeah so I still don't say it which is I mean you'll know you've really made progress with me when you hear me sort of screaming it with my hands (laughs) in the end (laughs) I'll never hear it though because class is muted that's true (laughs) It'd be like the end of 1984 when he screams, I love Big Brother, it'd be me shouting, Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> I've eventually been broken down. I don't know. I feel like I only say it in a, um, the way you say amen as a kid, sort of going, mm. 
I think it is really important the language that I use as a teacher. And don't get me wrong, everybody everybody can get get it wrong. You know, everybody can say things go, oh, should I have said that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but I think it is really important that you really be careful about how you say things and what connections people might make. Because I have another student and she came to my classes when I lived in another city. And when I moved, she obviously couldn't do my classes. And then when I moved online, she was still on my mailing list. And she had just been in touch because her daughter was coming to the university down near me. And um, she she was like, oh, well, we're coming down to see the university. Can we book in a private class with you? So she booked in a private class. And it was really nice. And she said to me, I cannot find another yoga teacher like you. I cannot find a yoga teacher that doesn't talk about the chakras halfway through class. I'm pretty sure she's a medical doctor. I don't want to go into too much detail. She's a medical doctor and she just finds it super off-putting. She can't connect with that. It just, it clashes with, with what she really believes and feels, you know, is right for her. And I always felt like I kind of agreed with that, even though I don't necessarily hate the idea of talking about your chakras and balancing things. I do feel like you have to find a balance between the science and this ancient practice and that's what I try and get across in, in my classes, which is why people stick around. <laughs> it's like finding a good therapist, isn't it, once you've got the one that clicks. I, I haven't had many teachers, to be honest. It, just, it was just two of you at the leisure centre, and you were one of them. Lucky you. <laughs> I loved it when... Um, it's not to little anyone else's style, because you were the substitute, weren't you, So yeah. like, for that particular <laughs> class. But every time she was like, oh, I'm not going to be here next week, Kayla's about a bit, yes. <laughs> and that class was just like because I don't have a proper job you do have a proper job <laughs> not according to Rishi Sunak I don't what does he know <laughs> but I must have been the only person under 40 there I reckon probably what was that middle of the day class middle of the week <laughs> yeah well early-ish morning yeah that's the other perk about doing it was just like I felt young again because you were surrounded by all the older people <laughs> yeah yeah and then they were just like absolutely nailing asanas and I was just like struggling to do anything I was like, this is terrible it's like I don't know if you watch South Park it's like when Cartman tries to enter the Special Olympics because he thinks he'll beat all the people that have impairments and like he's like yeah I'm gonna show these and it wasn't it was just me flailing about the 80 year old woman next to me being able to get her heels down in down dog and they're putting me to shame she was really cool. The one next to me that I used to speak to most weeks, she was, now I hate telling people I'm a comic, but she kept asking what I did. Yeah. And she kept asking if I was a student. And I was like, I was a student about 15 years ago, but don't, <laughs> like, <laughs> but I still look a bit like, cause I still look quite young for my age and I've still got long hair and it's not yeah. quite receded yet. People sometimes do still think I'm a student if they're 80 years old. Hey, so, I get it. I just say yes. Cause I am. Well, you are, aren't you? Yeah. So. <laughs> Even though I've been a student for 10 years, but... <laughs> but she was... I, like, I liked her. I, miss, that, I think that's the one thing I missed from the leisure centre was talking to her. She was quite... Do you remember her name? I mean... No, I don't remember it. I don't remember it. But she she liked your classes as well. She said, oh, she's a dynamo, that woman. <laughs> <laughs> dynamo. But, yeah, it. because <laughs> this is the way the, old, the woman I was speaking to would put it. She said that she thinks the other teacher played to the class a lot more because she knew there were generally older and so it was much more relaxed and then you come in and everyone would be knackered (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is though is i i always thought that i was mindful of what the students could do 
and what they couldn't do. And I would never force anything, but I do think that a lot of teachers teach a lot more seated postures. I, I tend to stand a lot. So even if we don't do like anything really vigorous, we still do a lot of standing. And sometimes if you stand for an hour and a half, that's enough. I mean, have you ever just stood at a standing desk for an hour and a half? It's actually quite a long time to just stand. I've watched concerts stand. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And you get tired, don't you? And you start doing this, you know, <laughs> wiggling back and forth. This is how you know you're getting older. The last time I went to a, a, I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert about 18 months ago, and I think it was the first time I thought, ooh, do you know what? wouldn't mind sitting down at the next concert <laughs> because it was just uh, I don't know no, oh, I think great. it was stood next to the wrong people as well should this be the point that I tell you I listen to metal music oh that's fine yeah so I normally go to metal concerts mm. and they're usually really that's small weird, cause which is quite nice that, like you would probably just be in a yoga teacher just listen to whale noises and pan pipes yeah oh, I just I just turn on my Spotify it's just full of whale noises yeah. Me and my husband have both listened to metal music since we were teenagers. So we've been to Wacken out in Germany. So that's a, the biggest metal festival in the world or something like that. Um, and then I've been to Download for like uh, maybe four times. There's four a comedy tent at Download. Yeah, yeah. Which I've, I've never been booked for, by the way. If you're listening to this, Spiky Mike, which you're not. Uh, well, I've, I've been to the comedy tent, but to be honest, I've, I think I've only ever been once. Because it was, we always, <laughs> so you know what you said about sitting down during concerts? Well, we always go VIP to, to download. Mm. <laughs> so I always have on the other side of the world compared to the, uh, the the village or whatever they call it, where the comedy tent is. So we only usually go there on the day where there's nothing open in the arena. That's not as metal as, as other things that I've done. So download is normally rock, isn't it? So Which is good. I've seen Aerosmith, uh, Marilyn Manson, Iron Maiden, Rammstein. Ah, so many bands. So many good bands. <laughs> So your yoga teacher is likes likes music likes rock music. Well, that's cool. I I just think Rammstein. If you just convert those lyrics into English, it'd just be garbage, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's only be... good because it's in German. I definitely, absolutely. I can't talk because I like Depeche Mode, and they got the most. It's like a forty-five-year-old man writing stuff that I was writing as a teenager. I think sometimes Depeche Mode, but I still love them. So. <laughs> Um, I used to listen to metal a bit when I was like when I was like seventeen and really angry. Oh, I think my moody years were a bit earlier than that, but yeah. I'm mellow as as you get these days, so comparatively, I just listen to men that are either eight years old or dead now. <laughs> that works too. And and Joni Mitchell. I think I like investing in a in a songwriter, like as an individual. Like mm. I feel that's a, that's that's my secular spirituality is like listening to you know Leonard Cohen or something it's like the temple of Leonard Cohen basically is, is a Leonard Cohen concert and I was lucky <laughs> to go to two of them before he died and they were just um, they were just two of the best nights of my life you know it's just like yeah. and there were no arseholes there in the crowd because everyone's a Leonard Cohen fan so they're all cool I will yeah I will say this though about like about metal heads and metal concerts is because I'm quite small so five foot I think maybe 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 <laughs> I'm about five foot, depending on the shoe. You want to say five foot and not slightly less, because that's a new bracket on a survey, isn't it? Under five. Yeah, feet. exactly. I'm five foot, pretty much. And <laughs> but because I'm quite small, 
at a metal concert, I, I stand out. Like, I'm the small, I'm small one there. Like, there are other small people as well, but for the most part, I'm, I'm one of the smallest people there. So people are usually really, really nice. And I, I wonder if that's because of me being small, but I've never, ever had any problems. And, like, the one, two times when someone's, like, mashed into me or whatever, they turn around and they just have these half-drunk eyes go, I'm so sorry! <laughs> you know, and you're like, whoa, it's okay, back up, man. <laughs> I think it's because they get all their frustration out in the music. So I wanted to hear, and I think we, we got off track, but I wanted to hear your story again about your meditation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's the Buddhist Center did a introduction to meditation course. Mm-hmm. So you'd go for like six, eight weeks or something. And yeah. luckily I had another anxious friend that wanted to go. So I didn't even instigate this. I was like, oh, yeah, I can go to be supportive. It's not because I'm having huge problems myself. <laughs> but So we started off where the guy was like, oh, well, it's not a Buddhist meditation class. This is for everybody. Okay. But after the third week, he started dropping stuff in and saying like, oh, by the way, if this was a Buddhist class, we'd be saying this. And I was just like, no, I'm not having it anymore. Also, I found it quite difficult to relax there because you had to put your bag under your chair and I was worried someone would nick it so i spend the whole time sort of half thinking just like moving my foot to touch my bag because i was worried that as if it was some big racket by the buddhist center to try and like get people in to like steal their belongings or something they probably don't put a huge premium on belongings being buddhists anyway so i don't know why they'd be stealing my my stuff but uh, yeah i found it really hard to relax there and as soon as they were as soon as they were just like this is you know, what we would be doing if we were in spiritual practice. Like, I was just like, oh, sorry, mate. This sounds like being told this is not a pyramid scheme. I was just like, so I didn't go back and... <laughs> oh, God, I run screaming from pyramid schemes. There's a great norm. I'll probably cut this bit out. Because I, I don't know if you like comedians. Do you like comedians at all? Sure. So. Apart from me, obviously, but, you know. Yeah. Obviously. Have you even seen... You know, I put the odd clip up. You don't have to say you like those. No, yeah, I've watched them. Yeah, the, I think my favourite comedian at the moment is, is a Canadian guy called Norm Macdonald. Do you know him? He used to be on Saturday Night Live. He's got a great joke about how like everyone says that children are the future, but that's a Ponzi scheme because as soon as you get older, you're just like, here I am. And they were like, no, nah, it's some other guys now. <laughs> <laughs> children of the future, but the children always yeah, come. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good. I might keep that in because it's a great joke and people might like Norm Macdonald on the back of it. It's got a special on Netflix, if you ever. Yeah. It's probably the only hour comedy on Netflix mm. that's like genuine quality all the way through, in my opinion. But I'm a snob with comedy, so. Of course you are. Just like I'm a yoga snob. <laughs> I was going to say, are you like a yoga snob? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so because um, I've come to practice and teach the way that I do because I feel like it's a it's a healthy, safe way for the mind and the body. So that when I when I take classes from other teachers that don't align with that, I feel a bit like oh, I don't like it, you know. But that's not to say that what they're doing is wrong. So like sometimes if I go to a class and it's a very say maybe it is a very spiritual class and they talk a lot about trying to you know balance energies or because I'm already a teacher. I can participate in that class in a way that I know is good and safe for me, and I'm absolutely fine with that. But if I go to a class and I can see a teacher isn't helping students, isn't giving them what they need, even though I'm absolutely fine because I'm a teacher and I'm myself, so I can adjust myself, I feel like maybe there's something going wrong here. But on the flip side, everybody has to start from somewhere. And when I first started teaching, I wasn't the best teacher in the world, so... 
I'm not I'm not saying that everyone has to be perfect right off the bat. It's never going to happen. And, and then you might even just have that one class where you think, oh my god, that was atrocious. What happened then? <laughs> Honestly, this crossover is, is like learning how to do comedy is pretty much, there's definitely a parallels there. Definitely. And then there's the whole thing about getting up in front of people. Like that is the biggest thing. So many people, and even on my own yoga teacher training, they go to the training and they say at the beginning of the training, I am not going to be a teacher. They say it right in front of everyone. I'm not going to be a teacher. It's not what I want to do. I just want to further my own understanding and practice of yoga. I don't want to teach it. Because the trainings teach you the in-depth ideas behind yoga and the poses and things. They don't necessarily have practical steps on how to be a teacher. So, so many teachers go in and they go in with this intention of never teaching because they don't want to be up in front of people. So that is a skill that you have to it practice. It is weird because Definitely. people like, it's so normal to me now because I've been doing it for 11, 12 years. Wow. It's just so normal to me to get up and do stuff in front of people now. When someone like is doing like a speech at a wedding, I'm just the worst person to go to for advice about it because people will be like, oh, I'm really nervous about doing jokes in front of people. And I'm like, what's the problem? You just get up there, you just say stuff. Just open your mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a famous survey or something from years ago saying the two things that people were most scared of. Number one was public speaking and number two was death. <laughs> so, <laughs> number so, two, they would rather yeah. die than public speak? Oh, There's my Jerry God. Jerry Seinfeld has a joke about it where he says, you know, so when you're at a funeral, more yeah. people would want to be in the casket than doing the eulogy. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you'll tell me that being a yoga teacher and being crap at doing the teaching is is mortifying and stuff. But when you get up in front of people to do jokes and they don't work, I mean, that is humiliating because you know when people were supposed to react to it. It's not like if you go and watch a musician and they're a bit average, you're not really 100% sure whether everybody else in the crowd is feeling the same way. Yeah. But if you are watching a comedy show and none of the jokes work, we all know it was bad. I think that as a yoga teacher, if you stumble over your words a lot in the class, like literally, blah, 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 I need to repeat yourself. And if you say something and then you look at your students and they're not doing what you what they should be doing, you're like, that was me. I did that. I said that wrong. Whatever I did, it was wrong because they're not they're not doing it. It's not that they're not listening. You ever you always get that one person in class who let their head wander and all of a sudden they're in a plank and you're like what the hell are you doing but if you turn around or you you look over or, or you're watching the class and they're all doing the same wrong thing <laughs> then you're like oh god damn it that's that's <laughs> that was me that was completely me i don't know what i did but it was wrong <laughs> and then like you said you lose a little bit of confidence and then it's hard to get back from that it's really hard to like keep going in a sense you almost want to be like oh, never mind <laughs> so much is confidence so just like fake it till you make it I yeah think. well i don't believe in that so much you don't think no i don't think so because i think confidence is a different thing to pretending that i, I feel like true confidence is the knowledge that you can do what you can do and not like putting on a show that's actually yeah. masking yeah i think if you're actually faking it people can tell that but I think if normally you're good and you've made a mistake and what you want to do is go hide in a hole, but instead you keep going, even though you don't really feel like you want to, I think that's kind of what I mean. 
I think some comedy bookers don't realise that and think, oh, he's confident, he's got a lot of stage presence, but it's just some bloke shouting. Oh, well, you get that in every in every profession, don't you? You can get oh, that yeah. even working in an office where people, the person that jabbers the most and says they're awesome is probably not very awesome. Who's the president? <laughs> not my president. No, well, not anymore <laughs> anyway. So. I always did fear this particular moment of, like, him definitely leaving, but, like, not really having any accountability for, for a couple of months. So I'm a bit like, oh, I wonder what will happen now. Are you going to bomb Iran or China just for a laugh? Hopefully not. No, I think the thing that motivates Trump is just money. That's the motivation behind most people, though, isn't it? I mean, not individuals, not like us, not normal people. <laughs> but like as soon as you start to get up into like power, top of the CEOs, people who run things, you start to get into this area of like, where are they really going? What's their real motivation? And for the most part, it's money. Maybe we are normal people not wanting that sort of thing. But I just, I don't think life's about that. No, the purpose of life is to be happy. I don't think that it is, actually. I don't, I don't believe in happiness. Really? No. <laughs> so, you don't believe in happiness? No, I don't. I believe, <laughs> I believe in contentment. Okay. Because I, I think every time I've been truly happy or euphoric, there's always been a come down. I said earlier on, which we've probably known in the recording, about not drinking coffee so much. I just, I, I need a plateau in my, I need to mm. be in a constant state, perhaps, of, of satisfaction rather than too many peaks and troughs because I think whenever there's a peak, there's often a, a trough. See, that's, see, that's where I think your troughs are too low then. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> well, you want your peaks to be happy and your troughs to be contentment. Mm, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, like, I don't know. Do you like theme parks? Do you like going yeah, to theme parks? Yeah, I do like theme yeah? parks. Yeah. So do you know that excitement you get when you wake up and you're like, right, I'm going to get there with the doors open because I'm going to get my money's worth because these are expensive tickets. That's why you've got to go during parks. Halloween week when they're open late. That's <laughs> exactly. So you go really, so a lot of the time you go really early, you get up early, you're really excited, you do the long drive wherever it is over to the theme park and then you, you have a, a really fun day running around, you like a little kid again, belly's tickling and all that kind of stuff, being upside down and then you come home but it doesn't just go poof. <laughs> You just kind of, like, ride that wave then, like, woo, wasn't that a great day? Hey, hey. Yeah, okay, there's not necessarily a come down there. But, what... <laughs> but in my general day-to-day day life is, is writing jokes, doing comedy shows and whatever. If I ever got too high after a performance, not so, I don't get high off performing. It's the satisfaction of, of the fact that I've created something that works. That's the... mm, Yeah. So when I do the Edinburgh Festival most years... The month after Edinburgh, it can be quite difficult to manage emotionally because you've created your thing and you've had that personal satisfaction while you're there that you're doing. And then and then there is a come down afterwards. And do you feel like that is almost like a nostalgic kind of come down? No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm like pretty much the least nostalgic person that I know. What? Right. Next topic. Definitely. We're yeah. definitely going to write that down. Cause... Yeah. I think I'm probably nearing the opposite. Well, that's good. Well, that's good for a dynamic, isn't it? There's no point to yeah. kind of agreeing with each other all the time, is it? It's not. A, I don't think it's a nostalgic high. Well, you know, I mean, more like a nostalgic low. So, like, you know, when you get sad because something's finished, and it's like, oh, I, you know, that was so nice. I would like to do that again. But I know that the thing that made that good was the people, the place, the weather, something that you could never repeat. And then they kind of get a little bit like sad about it. You're saying that that's definitely not the kind of down. No, I don't think so. I think that it's what it's like when people say that the fun is getting there. It's not looking back and saying, 
especially when you do something creative as well. Like I, if I'm writing a show, the show is never as good as in my head it was before I do it. So mm. I never look back at anything I've ever done. I'm, I've never been proud of anything. I'm doing a shocked face. <laughs> if anyone brings up anything I did before about 2015, it, I would be just mortified to look at it because I feel like I'm always like, what's the next step? What's the next? Like I was in some BBC Comedy Award final seven years ago and people still bring it up as if that's an achievement. But it's not because that's just a stepping stone. I will say this just before we finish about me as a personality type. One of the things that I seem to have as a teenager and possibly child was this inability to feel embarrassed. And not in every situation, don't get me wrong. For some reason, I had this really hard time being able to order my own food when I was really young. I remember like when I was 10, my mom be like, oh, tell her what you want. And I was like, oh, I can't tell. I can't talk to the person behind the till. Uh, so I don't know what that was about. But I remember specifically, and I have to give you a little bit of backstory so you understand, but I used to go to church camp every year. So living in the deep south in South Carolina, I used to go down to Alabama to go to church camp every summer. And at the beginning of the week, we had an opening dance. So like a, like a you might call it a ball here, but there was more casual than that. So we, you could wear whatever you wanted kind of thing, not formal. And we had like a bye, a goodbye dance or whatever. And I would absolutely love it. I didn't care what anybody thought. I would dance like there was no tomorrow. I remember doing like some really abstract dancing by myself in the middle of the floor, like, and people would watch me and I honestly didn't think twice about it. And then at one point in my twenties, I thought back and I thought, that was really weird. Why wasn't I embarrassed? And then now I think about it and I think, ah, well, I'm really glad I wasn't embarrassed because it was a fantastic experience for me. And I don't really know any of those people anymore. And so it doesn't even like, it doesn't really matter. But it was one of those things that I think like, oh my God, I should have been more embarrassed with myself maybe. Or why wasn't I embarrassed to like be flailing around in this really abstract way of dancing where you're kind of like rolling on the floor and tossing your legs up and doing all these <laughs> really weird things. And no one else ever did it. And I was in the deep south, so they're super Christian. So nobody <laughs> was ever dancing like that. <laughs> So there you go. That's that's my little that's my little story about the, pretty much the exact opposite of never being embarrassed enough. Oh well, that's funny. I'm glad I heard that. <laughs> I, like, I quite like dancing, but just to do it in front of other people. Is, I yeah. think that might be a bit of an English thing, though. You don't, it's because you don't have enough dancers. If you were forced to dance when you were a kid, you'd be dancing more. <laughs> I don't know. To, to me, that that's the worst time to have learned in some ways because. As a child, I think there's so many more insecurities than I do. See, I think that is really interesting because that is kind of what I'm saying. Like, for some reason, when I was young, I didn't have those kind of insecurities. I really wasn't bothered. I wish as a kid that, that my parents had microdosed me MDMA or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized that these things are different. And it does make me wonder, like, what was different? About the, you know, about the, is, is maybe the nature-nurture debate. You know, what was different? I really believe quite a lot in nature rather than nurture, but that's another mm. time. So, yeah. But that's exactly the sort of thing I want to talk about, which is why I wanted to do this with you and not with some attention-seeking comic that just wants to, like, talk about... I just want to talk about myself. And so do I. <laughs> not you. I want to talk about me. So, <laughs> so, anyway, right. that is, uh, that'll do, won't it? Shall we finish? Do you want to yeah. even say namaste or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I had in my head it was going to uh, be like, and that's how every episode ends and, and we all... Okay. Don't do it now. I've just... Uh, seems, it's, I can't do no, it now. 
Namaste. Yeah, che- mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, it's me, the uh, non-yoga teacher part of the show. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Next week we're back. You know, we'll give it a go for a bit longer. We talk a little bit more about meditation experiences. You'll find out whether I managed to do a headstanding class. We also talk about elephants, bats, and whether the pandemic is all Kayla's fault, which has nothing to do with the bats, by the way. This is the marketing part of the show. I don't know if you know that like, at the end of uh, most podcasts, they do a bit where they say, oh, don't, don't forget to subscribe and share to all your friends or online and give us good reviews on iTunes and good ratings everywhere. And, you know, I never really wanted to do anything like that, but those sorts of things actually do really, really help the visibility of a podcast. So... If you did enjoy the show and you want to express it in those ways, that is actually really helpful of you. Yeah, yeah, I feel dirty now. Also, if you check the show description, you can find out where to follow us on social media and some other ways you can support the podcast. The music is Kachingless Wonder by Dr. Turtle, which is licensed under Creative Commons. At least it is for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week, or never again. I mean, it's kind of up to you, isn't it? But hopefully we will. Bye.